0: It's normal to cry this much, you know, and it had been a year since my husband passed and I'm still crying. And then I realized I just, you know, I needed to get out of this like this stuck feeling, this hump, you know, and truthfully, as soon as I started my antidepressant, within a matter of two months, I had pockets of happiness, I was starting to smile, um, of course, you know, I was still grieving but I would have pockets of happiness. I'd wanted, I wanted to do stuff. I wanted to get out and hang out with friends. So I, I, I felt, you know, a little alive again.
1: Hey, welcome back to Normalize the Conversation. Today I'm here with Dr. Monica. Dr. Monica is a clinical pharmacist with over 19 years of experience. She currently works for Walmart Health and Wellness. Dr. Monica is a huge mental health advocate and began her public speaking engagements in 2018. Her mission is to help in the powerful work needed in destigmatizing mental health topics. She is currently a medical writer for a mental health platform called Psycom, where she brings a monthly column on mental health real case scenarios. Dr. Monica feels strongly in this area of healthcare because she's gone through the trauma and grief herself. In 2011, she lost her husband to cancer and battled depression for many years. She faced the stigma from society and friends. She knew she wanted to be a voice for all those who had dealt with loss, grief, and depression, which is something every single person will face in their life. Dr. Monica is a co-host with Dr. Gandhi on their IG Live talk show called Grow and Glow. Dr. Monica is also the creator and co-host with the Pharmacy Podcast Network, where she helped create the mental health series. Dr. Monica is a single mom to two beautiful teen girls and enjoys quality time with them. Dr. Monica is also doing media appearances, and you will find her on TV on the new GoodRx commercials. Dr. Monica, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on today. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you really?
0: I'm actually doing really well, and I am so thrilled that I was able to connect with you on Instagram. Um, I think you're just doing some amazing work, and um, I'm excited to have this conversation with you.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate it. I'm so excited, too. So today, we're going to talk about medication with mental health, which is something that's so stigmatized. So I'm really excited to start kind of an um, talking about these myths, talking about it, and actually answering questions that people have. So according to the CDC, in 2019, 19.2% of U.S. adults received any mental health care in the past 12 months, including 15.8% who had taken prescription medication for their mental health. This goes to show how prevalent mental health medication is, yet there's still such a stigma on taking the medication. So Where
0: do you think that stigma comes from? So I think the stigma comes from just mental health as a whole. Um, We have always struggled with the uh, respect for mental health versus physical health. So when we talk about medication therapy, it's the same concept. Um, There's a huge stigma when it comes to mental health medications because there's a lack of education, a lack of education of how these drugs really work. And when I publicly speak, I often say, do we really stigmatize someone because they're taking Accutane for acne or metformin for diabetes or albuterol for asthma? Because we know the science behind it. So why are we stigmatizing someone who needs to take, let's say, Xanax for uh, anxiety or, trazodone for bipolar or uh, lexapro for depression, because it's classified as mental health um, and the lack of science behind how these drugs are really working in the brain. So I really feel strongly that um, education is key.
1: I completely agree. And I love how you brought up physical health versus mental health. Because when we look at physical health, we look at maybe being sick or needing some kind of treatment or support, and that's normal, and that's okay. But when it comes to mental health, it's like, oh, that, that can't be right. That can't be me. I can't be crazy or a lunatic or a maniac or whatever the word they're using. And you know, I was actually in class the other day, and my teacher asked us, do you think it's okay to refer to someone living with a mental illness as sick? And everyone else was like, "You know, I'm not sure." But I was like, "Imagine if we did, and medication was just something that helped you when you were sick, for the amount of time that you needed it." So but thinking of it that way, I thought it was very interesting. but do you think the stigma plays a major role in why people don't reach out for help, especially when it comes to prescription medication?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, in lines with what you just said, Fran, is people have always classified antidepressants as crazy pills, or, you know, that's usually the terminology. So of course, you're going to feel stigmatized, you put that self stigma on yourself, like, oh, my God, I don't need to be on those crazy pills. But truthfully, you know, it's that that stigma, what's causing people to become non-compliant if they are initially put on it, um, or they just truthfully don't want to take it, um, which is clearly, you know, the case I see a lot as a clinical pharmacist.
1: Wow, I think that, you know, a lot of people are afraid to take the medication because they don't want to admit it to themselves, or they don't know what the side effects are, and they've heard scary things, or like, on the meet, on like the news or what am I look saying? Commercials. On commercials, you hear like a list of possible side effects and it's like may increase suicidal thoughts. So right away people are like, well then why would I take it? And I think that I I mean I was there. I was one of those people who in the beginning was like, I don't need medication, I'm not taking medication, nothing's wrong with me. I don't want people to know that I would need medication. And it took me a long time to realize that that's just the stigma talking. That's just society talking. That's not the truth. If you need medication, it's not a big deal. It's normal. I mean, so many of us need medication for whether it's a short period of time or a long period of time, and that's okay. But what are some ways that we as mental health advocates that any of us in general can help to reduce the stigma around taking these medications?
0: Well, I personally, as a clinical pharmacist, um, have no shame in telling my patients that I, too, once was on Lexapro. Um, I find it powerful when we share stories, because my patients would be like, what, Dr. Monica, you took Lexapro? And I'm like, yeah, this." I put stigma on myself, pharmacist saying, hey, you know what, I'm okay. It's normal to cry this much, you know, and it had been a year since my husband passed and I'm still crying. And then I realized I just, you know, I needed to get out of this, like, this stuck feeling, this hump, you know, and truthfully, as soon as I started my antidepressant, within a matter of two months, I had pockets of happiness. I was starting to smile. Um, Of course, you know, I was still breathing but I would have pockets of happiness. I'd want I wanted to do stuff. I wanted to get out and hang out with friends. So I, I, I felt, you know, a little alive again. And um, when I share this with my patients, um, it kind of like, you know, it, it opens up their eyes and they're like, wow, like I'm not the only one going through this. Like, you know, if she's gone through this and, and the patient before me has gone through this and, then it's okay. It's 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 okay to ask for help. And if, if one of the ways to get help is through medication therapy, bravo.
1: I love how you share your story and how you have taken the medication too, because I think when a clinical pharmacist is telling you like, I've taken this medication, I'm not just handing it to you and telling you it's fine. It's going to work. I've been there. I know that it's going to work and it's going to help you. It helped me. And I have this amazing success story and you deserve to have that story, too. I think that just kind of gets rid of a lot of fear. And I believe that a lot of fear from taking medication comes from the lack of understanding of what they are, how they work, the benefits they offer. So I would love to ask you some of the common questions people have. But before we do that, I just want to clarify for all the listeners that we are talking about mental health medications as a whole, and that answers may vary based on specific mental health conditions, unless specifically noted by Dr. Monica, she is speaking directly about a certain group of, about a certain group of medications. So that being said, why do people take mental health medications for this mental health disorders?
0: Well, I'm going to ask you a question and say, why do people take medication for asthma? Or, uh, or diabetes or birth control, you know, why? I mean, do we really question people why they're taking birth control or it's the same concept. And that's it's usually how I would like to answer that question if someone was to ask me that.
1: I love that because it's so true. We don't question it in any other circumstance. We shouldn't have to question no. it when it comes to mental health. I love that. So now if I start taking medication, does that mean I'm gonna be on it for the rest of my
0: life? Um, no, uh, I'm a pure example of not having to be on it for the rest of my life. I was on it for five years. So each case varies. Sometimes some people are on it for a short duration of time. I mean, I've seen patients who have on it, who've been on it for a year. I've had patients who've been on it for five years. I've had patients who've been on it for 10 years. So it's, it's basically individualized to life circumstances, right? Like let's be real life is flipping hard, especially this past two years and people need a little bit of help. And if that's being on an antidepressant or an anxiety medications for a couple extra years, then so be it. Like the most important thing is you're getting that help that you need. Exactly. And
1: I would just like to say I live with bipolar two depression. So I take a mood stabilizer every single morning. And that's something I may take for the rest of my life, because it helps balance the chemicals in my brain. And that's okay. Every morning, I take vitamins as well. And I don't question that. So I think it's important for anyone listening and whether you take it for a short period of time, a long period of time, lifelong, it's okay. And it's normal, you shouldn't have to question it. and now. I think a lot of people kind of have an argument on this. So,
0: is medication a replacement for therapy? No. So, when I talk about mental health, I talk about like a toolbox, right? Like you have a toolbox with tools in it. So, medication is just one of the tools. Um, And, you know, there are so many other tools that you can go to, and, you know, your mental health provider will tell you. Um, There's pharmacological stuff and then there's non-pharmacological stuff. So just to give you an example, um, medication is one of them. Uh, The practice of mindfulness is another one. Um, Exercising, right? We know that studies have shown that exercising increases your endorphins. It increases your happy neurotransmitters. You feel better. Um, uh, Just being outside nature. So, you know, natural source of vitamin D that increases your moods. Uh, nutrition. Nutrition is another big factor. Um, so you can see there's so many different tools in the toolbox of mental health and medication is just one of them. And then of course, therapy. Therapy is also another tool in the, the toolbox.
1: I love that. And I love how you've in all the other tools because mindfulness is huge. Being able to ground yourself in the moment when you're having an anxiety attack or a panic attack is huge. Exercising, just moving your body, whether it's rigorous exercise or just going for a walk, moving your body can be so helpful. Nutrition, what you're putting in your body, on your body, around your body, all of these are tools that you have, and they work best together, not in place of each other. So now, what are some of the questions I could ask my doctor about medication options?
0: So, you know, um, common questions that patients ask um, their healthcare provider and then also their pharmacist is, you know, side effects. Um, uh, How long is this medication going to take to work? Um, And when we talk about different classes of mental health meds, they all vary. Um, Another thing is, like you said, do I need to be on this lifelong? How long am I going to be having to take this? Um, What other things can I do besides medication therapy? Um, And and, and that's, you know, the toolbox that I talked about, which is what a mental health practitioner will advise you on. Um, And then, you know, another question is, is how often do you need to check in, check in uh, with your therapist or your mental health provider?
1: Those are amazing questions. And I think a lot of people fear taking medication or going to therapy because they're afraid to advocate for themselves because they don't know what questions to ask. I think we see that a lot just in general going to the doctor, that we don't know what we're allowed to ask or what we should ask. So I think having those questions in the back of their mind is going to help so many people. Another really common question is, how does medication work?
0: So within mental health meds, there are several different classes, you know, you've got your antidepressants, you've got your anxiety meds, you've got your mood stabilizers um, for bipolar depression, you've got meds for schizophrenia, so there's, um, and then ADHD, so there's so many different classes and so many different ways, and and I could go on and on and on, there's just uh, so many different drugs um, and mechanism of actions, but they specifically target, um, all these drugs specifically target Um, three primary neurotransmitters in your brain, uh, serotonin, dopamine, and norepinephrine. Um, Just to give you an example, um, Lexapro is a drug that increases your serotonin and dopamine levels. So when you see an increase in these neurotransmitters, you see an increase in your mood and happiness. Um, So that's just an example. It's working towards a chemical imbalance that's happening And these imbalances are usually lack of these neurotransmitters.
1: I love the way you explained it, especially using the antidepressant as an example, because I think people think it's going to alter the brain chemistry in like a bad way. And really, it's just helping boost some levels that may have some trouble boosting on their own, they may not be able to, and they need some kind of support. And that's okay. Just like when you go to lift a box, if you can't lift it on your own, having someone else support you and help you lift it is okay. So having those extra supports is really, really important. Another question a lot of people have, I can tell you, this is the question my grandmother has all the time, is what are the common side effects?
0: Yeah, so, you know, there's so many different drugs and there's so many different um, side effects and drug interactions. That's something that we have to look specifically um, with the drug that's prescribed. So, you know, sometimes you get a little bit of irritability in the beginning, sometimes weight gain, sometimes weight loss, sometimes headaches. um, And this usually kind of uh, stabilizes after you know, maybe six to eight weeks once you kind of get to steady state on these drugs. They're not going to always be there, these side effects. Um, But like I said, a lot of these side effects are individualized to the drug that's prescribed.
1: That is very true. And that is, again, something you can ask your clinical pharmacist about or your mental health provider. And it's okay to ask these questions. A lot of people wonder, will the medication interact with other, other medications that I may be on? Another question people commonly have is, can I still drink alcohol or do recreational drugs if I'm on
0: the medication? So when you ask a pharmacist that question, the answer is always going to be no. No alcohol, no recreational drugs, which is usually what I do tell my patients uh, when I'm consulting with them. So there's uh, a lot of these drugs are heavily metabolized by your liver um alcohol is highly metabolized by your liver so you have two things targeting your liver so that can be harmful so that's usually the biggest reason why we say no alcohol um recreational drugs absolutely not that's a lot of drug interactions um so no that is
1: really helpful information. I think a lot of people also don't realize that they have to change their lifestyle a little bit when they start taking the medication. And it's a sacrifice worth making. It truly is. Another question people have is how long does it take to work?
0: Um, So Just to give you an example, um, anxiety medications work fast, right? They're fast onset because they're targeting something that's happening like immediately. So they typically work within like, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes. Um, But then when you have like drugs, like your um, antidepressants, they usually do take four to six weeks to work. So you, that's something that we educate patients on that you're not going to feel any different in a week or two, give yourself your body four to six weeks.
1: I love how you bring that up and you share that because it's true that antidepressants aren't going to work right away. And that is a misconception. My grandma's going to hate me for saying this, but a misconception that she has. So when it doesn't work after a week, she's like, well, medication doesn't work for me. Or she'll go back to the doctor, say it doesn't work, and they'll give her a new one. So instead of having a chance to get it to work, she's just constantly switching back and forth between the same three different medications. So I love how you clarify that, because if it's not working at first, there's a difference between the medication's not working for me and I'm not giving it enough time to work for me. So that brings me to my next question. How do I know if the medication
0: is working for me? You're going to know because you're going to start seeing pockets of happiness and you're going to kind of unless you've been there and you've taken it um. I would say from my personal experience is uh, how do you feel pockets of being alive again? And uh, that gloom feeling that, you know, dark cloud that that you feel is on you. It's still going to be there, but you're going to have pockets of like, Oh, sunshine, or I feel good. Or, Oh my gosh. Okay. I feel really good today. So um, you're going to see signs of increase in, Pockets of your mood, and uh, truthfully, a lot of people like just uh, claim that they they just feel alive again. I
1: love that. That is a great explanation. I know for me, when I started taking the mood stabilizer, after about a week, I started to feel a little bit less irritated. And when I get irritated, I tend to fall apart because I overwhelm myself with all these questions and thoughts. And when I miss a dose or I'm late to take it I can feel how much my body is changing so knowing that taking the medication and when you notice those small changes it might be really small at first that's how you know it is working for you and it has the potential to really work for you if you give it a chance but on the other side if the medication really isn't working for me I've given it a chance how do I tell my doctor that I don't think it's the right one
0: yeah. So when you check in with your doctor and you have your follow-up visit, it's the conversation that they're going to ask you, like, how are you feeling? And that's when you have the conversation saying, you know, I'm having these side effects. I just don't feel this. I don't feel any different. It's been three months. It's been six months. Um, and and usually it's, it's then a change of uh, medication or a dose increase, depending on what the mental health doctor wants to do.
1: That makes a lot of sense. And now I think a lot of people, I mean, I'm one of them, sometimes I forget to take a dose and I don't realize it till late in the day. But what happens if you miss just one or two doses? Does it make a
0: big difference? I think the, you know, if you miss one dose, I mean, it's fine. I think if you miss Two or three doses, then you're truthfully going to start seeing withdrawal effects. Withdrawal effects can uh, be anywhere from headaches to irritability to sweating um, and just that like uneasy feeling. So um, it's not recommended to skip um, more than two or three doses.
1: That is a really really good tip to share. And what happens when you completely stop taking the medication? I know you just mentioned withdrawal.
0: Yeah, if you go cold turkey and stop, you will actually crash and have major withdrawal side effects.
1: I feel like a lot of people don't know that. And when the medication starts to work for them, they're like, oh, I don't need to take it anymore. And they just stop. And that's why a lot of people, I think, question, is medication right for me? How do I know? Because when I stopped taking it, it just completely destroyed me. And I think people see it the wrong way. So yeah. going off of that though, how do I know that medication is the right option for me and start to go about asking my doctor?
0: Well, I think, you know, when you have a consultation with a mental health provider, they're going to talk to you about all the different tools. Like I mentioned in the toolbox for mental health and Medicaid, one of them. So, you know, of course, have you tried the other things? Have you tried exercising? Have you tried meditation? Have you tried mindfulness? Have you tried nutrition? But let me tell you, like, when you're like, really at that, like, you know, rock bottom state, like, sometimes none of that other stuff is going to work. Sometimes you need the help to lift you up through uh, drug treatment, um, in conjunction with therapy, and that's perfectly okay. Um, you know, and and that's something that I realized, uh, myself that, I need help from all the different things.
1: I I again just love how you and commend how you always share your piece and your story because it just makes such a difference. And like you said, it's okay to take it. You sometimes need that extra support. I really wanna emphasize that for everyone listening. It's okay if you need extra support. It's there is nothing wrong with you for needing extra support. It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you more vulnerable than others. It doesn't make you disturbed or psycho or crazy or whatever words that society wants to throw at you. So thank you so much for answering those questions for me. I think those were really really powerful information that you shared. Something I did not know and I learned from you is that clinical pharmacists are actually there to answer these questions that you have. And one of the things I admire most about you is that you bring patients into a private consulting room and give them a space to be vulnerable and ask questions that they have without the fear of judgment from other people eavesdropping. Can you share maybe a real-life example of what happens inside a consulting room?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, in fact, I actually wrote an article with SciCom Pro um, about uh, a case. Um, and so, you know, obviously names have been changed for HIPAA regulation. So, I had a 16 year old patient, her name was Sabrina, um, who we realized was non compliant to her medications. She had skipped like two months of taking her medications. So I brought her and her mom in uh, into our consultation room um, and we had a discussion, um, a discussion that initially she was hesitant to talk about. But after just listening to what she had to say, we came to realize that um, she was feeling ashamed. Um, She recently had a sleepover and her friends had discovered her prescription vial on her nightstand. And, uh, immediately she got really defensive and, and claimed that the medication was not really her. And so she felt ashamed, even though her friends were really supportive and they kind of backed off, she kind of put that like self-stigma on herself. So I think that was her biggest reason, um, for not wanting to take her medications, um, for like almost two months. And so she was having all side effects. Um, and that's when we had a discussion about like, okay, let's talk about this a little bit more. Um, what kind of tools can we uh, use to kind of get you back on track? And so one of the biggest tools we kind of discussed was letting her mom handle her medications until she felt, um, you know, until she felt she had a, a grasp on things, um, in which she agreed to. And um, we, we talked about a little bit about breaking the stigma when it comes to mental health. And, um, and so, yeah, and, and now like, you know, six months later, she's doing fantastic. In fact, she's super proud, um, her journey and she's doing some, uh, mental health work at her local high school. So yeah, she's doing fantastic.
1: That is such an amazing story. And it just goes to show that sometimes we don't even have to experience the stigma to put it on ourselves. Yeah, kind of take it on and say people are judging me or they're going to look at me different, even when our friends could be super supportive about it. And I think that's a really powerful piece to acknowledge that sometimes we're the ones who place the stigma and being able to take a step back and recognize that is so important. And lastly, I really want to ask you, what is the best piece of advice you can offer to someone who's been thinking about taking a medication for their mental health condition, but has been afraid?
0: I would say, I'm so proud of you. I'm, I'm proud of you for thinking about even taking it. And I'm proud of you for taking that next step on how to access the medication. Um, I would just say, um, be proud, be proud for getting that help. And if that help means through medication therapy, um, good for you, good for you. And take your, take your story and, and make it power and share it with the next person who's struggling that's where the power lies.
1: That is amazing advice. I feel so inspired. I absolutely just had an amazing time talking with you. I always learn so much from you, but I think answering these questions that people have, that no one else really talks about. No one talks about medication, really, because there is this huge thing on mental health medication. But by you coming here and talking about it, answering these questions, I just know it's going to make such a difference. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you.
0: Oh, it was my pleasure. I love the work that you're doing and I'm so excited. I'm excited for this to air and uh, thanks.